Hello, everyone. Once again, thank you for listening to Pragmatic Podcast with Pipo. This podcast is going to be one of my autism series, and uh, it's going to be part three. It's most likely the most important, the most critical, heartbreaking podcast that I'll ever record. And although I touched upon the importance of safety in the past, um, this is going to be addressing safety at home um, or in an area where a person or a family that has an individual with autism may visit. And you hear a lot of tragedies, and um, I'll be talking about those and how to prevent them. Uh, Sadly, this happens more often than you hear about. You can pause the recording right now and go to Google and type child with autism hit by a car or child with autism dies. And the amount of hits that you'll get on that search is astounding. It's heartbreaking. And this is a fear that families with autism, living with autism, um, live with. You cannot escape it. And there are some methods that professionals recommend. Um, I'll touch up on that as well. Um, I do think we need to do more. We need to talk about it more. And um, for example, uh, you'll have a child or an adult with autism wander and may not realize the dangers out there you know, whether it be crossing a road, uh, running into a pool of water, um, anything, or dangers caused by uh, bad individuals. So these are not things that you, you can try to teach. You can try to have professionals teach what to do, what not to do not to leave the home, put up signs, not to leave school, not to leave a designated area, Um, teaching them their, you know, neighborhoods. And so that way the intent is for them to be able to find their way back home. All these things are great. However, it's my belief, again, my belief that those things alone do not help. It's also my belief that people may let their guard down. See, once you train, I won't even say teach, once you train a person with autism to do something a certain way or not to do something a certain way, it doesn't mean that they can't get out of that box that you've created. Often you talk to professionals and they will tell you that you want to make that individual as independent as possible. And yes, that is true. However, as it relates to safety, if a person with autism is not alive, It's a life or death 
choice or situation. So if that individual is not alive to be able to do the things that they accomplished or that they were taught, it's pointless. That's why I always focus on safety by every means, safety. So a lot of these tragedies, if you read about them, take 15 minutes and read about five or six different stories. Often you hear a child or an adult with autism walked away from the home, walked away from um, a day center, a school, and it turns tragic. Now, when you take an individual to a daycare or a school, there are certain um, laws that prevent a commercial building from completely uh, blocking exits. You have to have exits. And they cannot accommodate your loved one only, so that it has to be somewhat uniformed. However, in your home, you can modify it. Still have exits and exit plans, just like you would uh, when you're doing a fire drill at home, a tornado drill, a meeting point. That needs to be modified if you have a loved one with autism. There are things that you can install in your home that keep you alert, help you prevent such tragedies. And there is not one tool and one tool alone that'll solve every problem. It has to be a combination of many tools I found over the years. I can't begin to tell you the amount of hours that I've spent researching this, reading about it, the different type of tools, hardware, um, different type of technology. And there are pros and cons to everything, to every tool. So that's why you may need a combination of two or three. Um, often people put up cameras. Well, cameras will tell you if you're watching it every day, what's happening. Cameras will tell you what happened after the fact. What you want to do is prevent these tragedies before they happen and not give a chance for those tragedies to happen. So what do I mean? If you have an individual that can wander away from the home, There are several inexpensive and expensive uh, tools that you can start with. Number one, have an alarm on every window, on every floor, and every door. Now, you go and buy a very fancy alarm system, or you may have one already um, wired into your home. These are great. Make sure they work. I take it a step further and recommend two, should one fail. These are not always feasible. 
if money's a uh, concern, and I'm sure it is, then there are less expensive ones. And again, I'll discuss the pros and cons about those. You can go to a hardware store or even online, Amazon, uh, Home Depot, Lowe's, and you can buy very, very inexpensive door chimes. Now, these things are loud. They will, they should alert you. They're about 120 decibels. So that's 120 decibels is about a fire alarm. So you can install those very easy to install in every door, every window, and um, they're battery operated. A lot of times they come with double-sided tape, so we don't even have to drill holes. Um, so the pros, they're loud, readily available. You can set them on alarm. You can set them on chime. And uh, again, very inexpensive, accessible. The downside, they're easy to turn off. So depending on the level, the size of your loved one, uh, though some have discrete uh, on-off uh, buttons, you can get to them. I found a couple, uh, well, definitely one, maybe more, uh, that had the on-off uh, switch inside the battery case. Better, not, you know, fail-proof. But are they effective? Yes. If installed correctly and they're on all the time, they are effective. And what does that do for you? You hear that chime go off, you get a run and start. Hopefully you'll never have to, but they're right there. I also recommend whatever type of an alarm you get, don't teach or show or do in front of your loved one how to turn it off and on. The downside, if they're not bolted into the wall, again, they can be ripped off. But a lot of these, because they're, they're magnets, once they are ripped off, they should go off. The alarm should go off. So that should not deter you from getting these uh, gadgets. Again, there are different brands. Um, very, very cheap Um you can get them at any, well, most hardware stores, and you can find them online. Search for door chimes, and you'll start to see them, or door alarms. Next step. You've got the fancier, more expensive alarms. Hopefully, you already have it wired into your home, and if you don't, you can have some uh, professionally installed, or there are a lot of do-it-yourself um, alarm kits being sold. Now, these things are not cheap. A starting kit with maybe one or two door magnets will probably cost you the cheapest ones I found, right around $250. However, many people just don't have one or two you know, doors and windows. You're going to have more, and you can buy additional 
contacts uh, for the doors. And some are in the $20 to $40 range for each. Uh, some get very pricey. A lot of times if you buy them in bulks, um, they may be a little bit cheaper. And you've got Simply Safe Ring Nest used to have um, an alarm system, but they've uh, discontinued that. But if you can find some, you can look into that. The downside to that, obviously, is it's very expensive. One of the contacts costs about uh, $70 to $80, and the system itself starts at about 500 bucks. So that can cost you uh, several thousand dollars for a normal size home. Um, Ring does have a different, uh, well, similar type of an alarm, um, considerably cheaper than the Nest, but works in the same manner. Uh, the monthly subscriptions are very affordable, or you can sign up for annual. Um, you can monitor it yourself or have uh, them monitor it. Simply Safe, again, a little bit more expensive, um, but works the same way. Uh, we'll send you alerts on your phone. Um, you can have, um, you know, whatever subscription fits your needs, whatever amount of contact you need. Um, you can also go to companies like ADT uh, that actually come and install these for you. Um, they have their own. They monitor it. Um, they're a little bit more as far as the monthly um, subscription fees. But again, very worth it. And you do have, the point is, you have a slew of different options. I'm not endorsing any of these. I'm just letting you know that there are many um, alarms that you can install. And last but not least, you may already have pre-wired alarms. Just make sure that each uh, alarm that's pre-wired in your home is working. Um, test it out. Make sure that the backup batteries on them work. Um, anything could impact the performance. So just make sure that, you know, the keypad, the contacts, everything is working, is clean, uh, working as designed. Have it on all the time. Which brings me to the next uh, topic, habit. Get in the habit of turning on the alarm keeping it on at all times, even if you're home. A lot of these you can set to where they're active while you're home. And you can set it on a different mode when you leave the home. So that way, if there's any movement, the alarm goes off. So get in the habit of locking doors, get in the habit of turning on the alarms and keeping it on. Get in the habit of keeping your phone with you at all times if you get an alert on your phone. Cameras. Cameras are also great. They allow you to uh, see certain areas. Um, again, if for some reason you're in a different room and need to keep an eye that may be useful, but again, cameras tell you what happened after the fact. They don't necessarily prevent. And last but not least, um, this is what I was talking about, commercial buildings versus personal. 
Commercial buildings, as I said, you have to have easily accessible doors that you can just open, get out in case there's um, any type of an emergency. Well, if you have a person that wanders, then that could cause an issue because a lot of commercial buildings, they're probably watching us at daycare or school. They're probably watching several different people. One child could easily open the door and get out, and it's happened before. You hear it on the news. However, in your home, you can modify locks. If your child is small enough, you can put some simple gadgets at the top of the door. As they grow older, you'll need to modify those to different types of locks. You may also want to consider a double cylinder deadbolt lock. Double cylinder deadbolt lock. And what this will allow you to do is lock the door and keep a key with you at all times. Now, this, is, this takes conditioning. You have to continue this habit daily. You have to make sure the key's with you at all times. You have to have backup keys stored where the child with autism or individual with autism doesn't find it. But these are very, very useful. You tell your other uh, family members, uh, roommates, whoever resides with you, how to access the doors, where to store the keys, and get in the habit of wearing something that has a pocket. Even if you're home, you're wearing sweats, buy some with pockets. Shorts, buy some with pockets. And keep that key with you at all times. Keep the alarm where you can hear the audible from anywhere in your home. Set each contact and each door to, that, to, to what you need. And don't take for granted that just because you may have a two-story home or uh, you live upstairs that these things can't happen or they won't open the windows. They can and will. Have these alarms. Have those double cylinder locks. Again, I'm not endorsing any of this. I'm simply giving you, this, you know, the different tools that are out there to help you prevent your loved one from escaping. Now, here's the probably, um, how can I put it? <laughs> the most debated topic, right? And that's going back to what professionals will tell you. Basically, train your loved one not to do it. And there are many, many tools uh, many different type of uh, therapies and therapists that can help you with this, and it's great. However, it just takes that one moment of your loved one needing to go somewhere, needing to go swim, and the answer to that that I've heard in the community is, you know, 
get them swim lessons. Yeah, that's great. However, I recently read about um, someone that jumped in a pond. So you get tired from swimming. You can get overwhelmed by the water. Um, you want you don't want someone just because they know how to swim. You don't want them out there by themselves anyway. So if you don't know and they're playing in the water for you know several minutes, an hour or two hours, they get tired and drown. So best thing to do is make sure that they're not in that um, in that pool or on that road or um, in a dangerous situation. And the best way to do it is to make sure that they don't leave without your knowledge. Again, different level of autism. Not everyone is the same. Could this happen to everyone? No. But I challenge each and every one of you. Look up these stories. Recently, I, uh, probably a few years now, um, and it has nothing to do with the amount of wealth or uh, area you live in or anything. Um, it's not necessarily neglect, uh, neg neglectful behavior as well. It's just accidents happen. And to prove that to you, that, that there's a story about a, uh, a known basketball player who went to visit, or rather his sister went to visit him, and her child had autism. As they were in a family vacation, the child went missing and was found in a nearby uh, lake or pond as they visited. So this is, you know, nice big mansion. Clearly they have the resources. So this is just to show you that it's not, you know, for a certain class or a certain demographic, it's a tragedy. It's an accident. It could happen to anyone. I recently read about a four-year-old or a five-year-old um, who was at a birthday party. Some way, somehow, got out of that birthday party and ended up in a pond. So ponds don't even look nice and clean like pools do, but they attract children. They attract children with special needs. If you remember the story about Avante Oquendo in New York, he left the school. Missing for several weeks, I believe. And I believe he was found in the Hudson River. And from what I heard, he's even afraid of water. So no rhyme or reason behind that one, right? So he didn't go to the water because he likes the water. But some way, somehow, he ended up there. 
these are painful tragedies that one cannot undo. You can't go back and fix it. So by any means necessary, again, some of these uh, fixes, if you will, are very affordable, very easy, and they save, save a life. They save a life. Locks, alarms, cameras, awareness. There's no one tool. It has to be a combination of one or two things, maybe um, uh, even more. Whatever works for you. And before I end the podcast, I'll talk a little bit about GPS devices. Why did I hold off on that? Yep. Every time you hear about these uh, things, people talk about the DVS, uh, GPS devices. There's a slew of them. But just like cameras, these, well, a little bit better. Uh, they're in between the alarm and the locks and cameras. They tell you that this individual has left a certain area. They may show you the location. They may show you the path, depending on which one you have. But a lot of times, it's reactive. It's uh, after it's happened. So that's why I keep going back to prevention, keeping it from happening, not allowing the chance for it to happen or minimizing the chance of it happening. So vigilance, of course, is key. So let's talk about the GPS devices. And you have some um, that track, again, as the name states, GPS. They use GPS to kind of target where that individual is. And uh, you can set certain uh, parameters and it'll alert you if that individual left that parameter. Um, some of them have uh, the ability to listen in a one-way call, if you will. Some of them have the ability where your child or loved one can call you by pushing a button. Some work just like a phone. Um, some are worn on um, the chest. Some are worn on the belt pocket. Some are worn like watches. Um, some you need a, a, a device to get them off of you and some are just like a watch you just put them on and you can take them off so obviously i don't recommend those because your loved one can easily take them off or if someone kidnaps them someone could easily take it off there are some where it's a bit harder to remove and they all work differently so the pros and cons some are very expensive not only do you have the amount for the device Again, ranging from $100 to about $900, and I'll talk about the uh, different ones. You spend 
let's just say $100, $150 on a device and you'll have monthly subscri subscription fees. Uh, those fees range, uh, but typically somewhere around $30, $40, maybe a little bit more. So again, you got to budget that in. Um, it's just like paying for a cell phone. How they work is that some do have Wi-Fi capabilities. So if you're indoors and you've got access to that Wi-Fi, they can connect to that Wi-Fi and kind of tell you the general area where your, your loved one may be. Uh, or you may be able to listen in and talk. Um, however, if there's no connection, just like a cell phone, a lot of them have very weak connections as far as indoors and it may not work for you. It may give you the last known location. Anything is better than nothing. Um, if you're outdoors, they do work much better. They do show you um, a path. They refresh about you know, anywhere from a few seconds to a couple of minutes. Um, and the more they refresh, of course, the battery drains quickly. Uh, so that's the downside for the, uh, with these devices. They don't necessarily alert you just like a door alarm would, but they do help in trying to find your loved one. Now, the more expensive ones that I talked about, it's not because they're necessarily better, but it's just a different type. There are some um, radio frequency based gadgets where it's almost like an electronic leash, if you will. The pros, once your loved one leaves a certain area, you immediately hear uh, an alarm, get an alarm, and that's what you want. However, the latest ones that I've researched start working about 100 feet, and that's quite a distance. I would hate for a runner right to be a hundred feet ahead before you know it and then that another downside is that once you exceed 300 feet from where your transmitter is then they don't work so they work between 100 feet they activate and stop at 300. how do these work Law enforcement agencies in very, very few areas like uh, Florida, Virginia, somewhere around there are able to get a transmitter and look for your loved one. And the closer you get, the louder it beeps. So it's almost like an old school type of uh, gadget, but it works. Um, it has saved lives. You can buy that device, which will cost you probably about four or $500. If you don't have an agency, a police department that actually services that, you will have to buy that transmitter. That um, I believe is called transmitter, the tracker. And that combined with the actual device costs about $900. Again, the pros are if your loved one leaves, at about 100 feet, you get an alert. You can go chasing them. You can go start, you know, grab your other gadget and try to locate them or call the police. Um, but it does stop working once they get past that 300 feet. And this is not, it's far enough, but it's not 
you know, as close as you would like it to be. I would want an alert immediately, just like you open a door and you hear a chime or an alarm. Um, some of the other GPS devices, um, Angel Sense has one. Um, there used to be another one with Amber Alert. Those two worked almost identical. Um, but again, there's pros and cons with those. Um, the ones that are wearables, like a watch, I, in my opinion, it's almost like a distraction. It's a screen. Um, the kid may, you know, bang it against something and break it. May start playing on it and can easily take it off. So really spend some time looking at these GPS devices. Again, a variety of them. Uh, it's not just one or two anymore. Um, and it'll depend on what best meets your needs. I can tell you right now, the one often talked about and probably used um, is that Angel Sense. And if you have, if you do use Angel Sense, by the way, and you have an older model, you'll need to update that because uh, they work off of cell phone towers and the technology that they were using before is no longer supported by AT&T, who's the provider for them. So if you do have an older one, uh, great, but you'll need to upgrade it because it will no longer work on those uh, 2G towers. So besides that, um, I wish you luck. If you're dealing with this, I know it's hard. But take these preventative steps. Yes, do the therapy. Consult with your... Uh... So that said, I wish you luck. And uh, I know it's hard, but be encouraged and um, take all these preventative actions. Again, prevention is key. Um, it doesn't mean that it's fail proof but again it it will help considerably um i highly recommend a combination of many of these if not all um and do your research look at them see what best fits your needs um make sure that you're able to do this um if you live in an apartment if you need to modify something make sure that this is okay with uh, the building managers. Uh, if you have a house, um, as I said, it gives you a little bit more flexibility uh, to be able to modify the home. Um, but, you know, please look into that. Um, hopefully you won't ever have a need for it, but if you do, it's there and it saves a life, your loved ones. Thank you for listening and uh, we'll talk soon.